What's going on, everybody? It's another episode of Joystick Jockeys, and I am the car rock hidden underneath the rock by the lake, DJ Kirkland. And I am uh, this episode that's going to be shorter than normal, so I can play Zelda again, Ruben Medina. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Joystick Jockeys, where we talk about video games and stuff from a queer perspective, and we're just going to kind of jump right into some stuff um because i just want to kind of get it out of the way because i want to talk a lot about zelda because it's incredible and amazing and perfect um, yeah let's save zelda for last for sure yeah we'll save that for last but uh uh how are you first of all uh good uh doing lots of zelda um <laughs> my twit uh my switch finally did that thing uh so I, th- there's like a player log and it'll tell you like what you've been playing it'll say what your friends have been playing Mm-hmm. But it takes a while for it to actually, I've noticed, update with how much time you spent on a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, like, not... It doesn't very clearly say how much time you spend. Um, it'll usually say you've played more than this amount. So last night I noticed that my Zelda uh, playtime, it was just like, you have played more than 45 hours. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> how much more than 45 hours? What have I done? Yeah, it's like, uh, um, yeah, it's like um, uh, you know, just like a number above 45 Somewhere around there. Yeah. That's like 145 hours. Like, no. No. Uh, no, I'm sure it's some sort of like five hour, 10 hour parameter. Um, but man, yeah, a lot of, lot of Zelda. A whole lot of Zelda. And otherwise, doing okay. Yeah. Um, pretty much the same. Um, after we got to spend a lovely weekend together at Emerald City Comic Con, which was amazing. Um, yeah, I came back and just took the entire week to just enjoy Zelda. And also recover from the convention because that was a brutal, like, five days. <laughs> All in the best way possible, but it was just, like, a lot. It was a lot. Um, yeah, I've just been playing a lot of Zelda. I'm probably around the same amount of hours logged into that game as well. And I'm nowhere near close to beating the game. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, I've just been enjoying it. I'm taking my time with it. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really loving it. And I've played, like, a tiny bit of Overwatch, but then I was like, wait a minute. This isn't Zelda, so I'm just gonna go back to playing more Zelda. Yeah, I keep on like being like, "What if I hop on to play Overwatch some with some friends in the evening?" And then I'm like, "Yeah, but I could play Zelda for six hours straight instead, and that always wins." So, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, friends. Yeah, sorry about it, guys. But um, but yeah, so awesome. I'm glad that we're both on the same page and playing Zelda, and we're both doing good. And I hope you guys are doing good at home that are listening to the podcast. And uh, yeah, we're gonna jump into some game industry news real quick because we hadn't really done that in a while um Mm -hmm. and i thought that this was interesting i think we both kind of mentioned that we were kind of interested and probably have both have thoughts on this but uh colin moriarty from uh kind of funny games has uh resigned effective immediately from his position with Mm -hmm. the with the show yeah yeah he um it kind of all started uh there was a day without a woman um day that happened uh, last week was it thursday mm-hmm. or friday mm-hmm. it was sometime last week um and uh which is really cool as far as a um uh like a protest through demonstration goes and, and and if you guys aren't familiar with it it's basically to um underline how much shit women do and if they aren't there um like what can't be done basically right um which is really really cool uh, i think it was a really cool thing um so uh, Colin Moriarty tweeted out 
which is like to me i i almost wasn't even offended by it because like coming from a comedic background um it was so like tired as a joke um but so he tweeted out like ah peace and quiet and then hashtag a day without a woman which is um uh i think the hashtag that was being used for the thing overall mm-hmm. um and it's just one of those things where it's like it's i guess i could see being the type of person that thinks that's really funny and and i'm not the type of person to be outraged over that but and it, but mainly just because it's so it's so not funny and so tired and like it's such an old stupid joke that like every stand up has been doing since forever yeah. um and and so basically uh uh greg miller a couple of the, the other guys um from kind of funny and a, a lot of people in the industry um who have worked with him even uh kind of came out to condemn it and and said they thought it was shitty and in poor taste um and then there's obviously some conversations between uh colin and his crew at kind of funny and then he announced his, resign- his resignation mm-hmm. um yeah so i mean it's um it was interesting to watch i think the response from a lot of the guys in the game industry was good um mm-hmm. greg miller issued an apology that i thought was a step in the right direction though i would kind of classify it as being uh it's that sort of unfortunate apology that means well and i don't even know if if someone like greg miller would understand what's wrong with the apology he made mm-hmm. but it's that apology that i hear guys make all the time for other guys which is like yeah i know the thing he did was shitty but you know that's just like that's kind of the, the guy he is you know he's a really good guy um but you know he just says stuff like that uh which is is not it's like a half apology it's in not, a lot of ways yeah it's it's not an apology it's like it's like boys will be boys it's like that's not that's not an excuse yeah it really smacks yeah. of that sort of sentiment in my mm-hmm. opinion yeah exactly yeah that's what it feels um, like to me and i also i understand like trying to be uh trying to be diplomatic in the situation and wanting to come out and and say that it's wrong but at the same time not totally throw your buddy under the bus right um but i do think you know guys not doing that is part of why behavior like that proliferates and dudes think it's okay yep um and it was really interesting because so this is kind of funny is huge they have a huge huge following Mm -hmm. um those dudes left ign to to make content on their own like super risky and they've Mm -hmm. done incredibly well yeah um i don't watch a whole lot of it because in general it's never really um their style has never spoken to me that much um the little bit of greg's stuff i've watched i think greg seems genuinely really funny um and also very sweet uh Mm -hmm. he had an acceptance speech for like internet personality at some recent game awards thing or last year yeah yeah, yeah. and gave a really amazing speech that was thanking um a lot of people in the industry that don't get thanked like the engineers and the qa testers and everyone else that was really cool yeah um yeah so it's uh it's one of those things where I think he was trying to do the right thing, but just did it in that shitty, dumb way that, like, guys, got we have to stop doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to, like, fully be like, hey, that shit's not cool. Um, it was really weird and disconcerting to watch people that are his fans, that are huge fans of his. Almost all the replies on Twitter to Greg's apology for Colin were upset at Greg and angry at him for throwing saying that he threw Colin under the bus or that he betrayed him, which um, to me is always nuts. If the people that create the shit that you like, if they do something and then they're like, Hey, you know, that was really in bad taste or like someone in that group admits that it was in bad taste and says that it's not cool. 
to me, if you respect them and respect what they do, you would listen to that. Right. But over and over, I see in the game community and the nerd community and fan community at large, um, there's this weird, like, almost like conspiracy theory thing where it's like, oh, they're only doing this because they have to do the PC thing. They have to do this. Or um, or that you're, they're, you're selling out. Uh, that's always absolutely befuddled me. Yeah, like, I feel like that kind of, that kind of, like, attitude, like, it, like it, it sucks, because, it, like, it kind of go, like, to me, it feels like, you know, it's like people, like, I understand having worked in technology, having worked in games, and all that stuff, when there is kind of, like, like a PR fiasco or a nightmare going, like, a nightmare happening, like, there is this delicate dance that you have to take, and I understand that, and I get that. So, um, I, you know, I appreciate Greg for apologizing on behalf of, like, kind of funny and all that stuff because I do genuinely think that Greg Miller is a good guy. Um, like, I don't know him personally. Like, I've been at the same parties as he as him because, like, we, like, the game space, especially in the Bay, is a very very small circle, and pretty much everybody has either heard of or knows of everyone else that's in it. Um, and he's always been like polite and all that stuff, which I've I've never, which you know that that doesn't bother me at all, and that's fine. But like I feel like that the fans, no, it's like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So like, yeah. if you don't apologize, you're doubling down on on toxic behavior, which isn't okay. But when you apologize and you have to apologize in a way that like one protects your brand and protects your job security and all that stuff, but like da- like like dancing on that line of like how do we how do we, you know, issue a formal apology without alienating our audience? And I think that, like, the whole alienating your audience piece of it kind of sucks because, because like, more often than not, especially in, like, games and geek culture and all this other stuff, like, there's a lot of problematic bullshit that boys do in in these spaces, which makes it really uninviting to queer people, which makes it uninviting to trans people, which makes it uninviting to, to women, like, it's... And people of colors. And, like, when people are, like what we did was shitty and this and that or whatever, it's always, 95% of it is always a bunch of other straight white dudes saying, like, you guys are sellouts, you guys are doing this and that, and da 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 blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, like, they're a business and they're in it to make money. Like, they need to, you know, make money and support themselves. So why would they double down on alienating potential viewers and potential fans by doubling down on shitty behavior? So, like... It's more, I think, to me, an issue with, like, straight male gaming, like, I want to use culture in heavy quotation marks is really, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just just gross. It's gross. And it's like, I, I just, I hate it. And I remember watching one of the, one of those video game award shows and I was like, is this what video is this what video games are? Oh, back when back when it was uh Spike running yeah. the VGAs. Mm-hmm. Uh I can't remember which year it was, but there's a year when like every award was brought out by uh, a girl in a bikini and body paint related to the game that won or something oh, along those God. lines. Yeah. And it's God. just like I don't know, just like how how incredibly alienating to anyone who's not like a, a, a straight white male, uh or just a straight male in general. Mm-hmm. I'm not even like label white on that necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, like how uninviting is that 
Yeah. You know, it's the same thing you hear about, like, uh, in the tech industry, people having parties, like company parties, where there's, like, uh, strippers and, and women on stripper poles. And I'm not, uh, don't mistake that for me as um, uh, judging or critiquing uh, stripping. Or like even not that it's what's happening there, but like the sex trade or you know yeah, what I mean like yeah. I th- I think that um all of that like if you strip and you strip because that's what you want to do and you make your money more power to you that's empowering make your money um you know and if you if you're in sex work especially places where it's legal more power to you if that's how you make your money and that's mm-hmm. how you know you're in control of you yeah um but when it's dudes at a tech company hiring women to be objects to gawk at during uh, a party like a christmas party that's always or like an e3 party that's mm-hmm. always been super fucked up to me yeah um but yeah so so kind of the yeah, getting off a little bit off track i guess i'm getting mm-hmm. um but you know yeah I, I have a friend who who used to work at ign and worked um with greg uh and she always said that he was super super chill mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like you can have these dudes that are super nice you can have anyone who's like a super nice super cool dude i don't know colin moriarty right i don't mm-hmm. even watch enough um i know based on his content that he has fairly conservative views because mm-hmm. that has come up multiple times yeah yeah he um, does. and that like he goes on shows um with uh like glenn, glenn, Be- like glenn Be- Beck. Mm-hmm. yeah yep so people that i assume if you're in that crowd that part of me is just like okay you're probably not a person i care to know no or like maybe not even a good person necessarily because of that yeah. association mm-hmm. um but like without those associations you know i don't even want to be like that dude's a bad dude right right um you can still be a dude that does stupid shit and then what's worse is when you double down on it right right um like i'm sure like i think greg issuing that apology was a very measured and what he thought was the right thing to do. And it was to a degree. Um, I would love to have a conversation with Greg Miller or dudes like that to be like, yeah, man, that was like cool that you did that. But like you got like 90% of the way there. Let me show you that other 10%. Yeah. That, that you really like, that's like the really important part of it that helps um, men stop doing the shit they do. That's toxic. That helps right. dudes stop making shitty jokes like this at women's expense. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we always have this sort of like, you know, he did this, but boys will be boys attitude. What we're telling dudes is that it's okay to do it. You might get a slap on the wrist. Someone might get upset at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand, especially for the kind of funny dudes, dudes, like um, if you work for a big company like IGN or Polygon, taking those stances, I think is really important, but you could argue less terrifying. Um, you're going to get shitty threats from idiot gamers um for sure which sucks but like you're being backed up ideally by your company mm-hmm. uh kind of funny guys they just make all, all their money comes via patreon really and i'm sure they mm-hmm. have like promotional deals and whatnot yeah but um when your money is so closely tied into your fan base you know that's that's got to be scary to a degree yeah absolutely um, yeah so i definitely give props for them speaking up about it yeah uh, i do too but yeah it's it's just it, you know i think we see it over and over again in the tech industry and especially in games um, where I think what's frustrating to me is that these are moments that it's very, very, very easy just to be empathetic and not be a dick yeah. and go like, Oh, how would this make someone feel? That's not me. Yeah. Um, the people that are saying this thing, how, why are they saying it? And then like learn from that moment and get better. Right. It's what I wish like the fan bases would do. Right. Instead of doubling down and being like, uh, you know, Colin got wronged. He got thrown under the bus. All this other shit. Yeah. I wish that they would be like, "Oh, I really respect Greg 
and I really respect the the kind of funny guys and what they do. And like, I love those dudes. Like I give them money through Patreon or whatever else, or I consume their content all the time. Right. So if one of them is saying a thing, um, it's probably important and maybe I should look at it and listen to it and then like look at how it maybe applies to my life um, Mm -hmm. or what I could be doing better. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's really important. I know we like uh, so many YouTubers, you know, this came up with the PewDiePie stuff a while back are like, you know, my responsibility isn't to be a role model. And I'm like, "Eh, when you have that many people watching you and consuming your content and um, you know, idolizing you to a degree, Mm-hmm. I do think you have some responsibility. At that again, point, like, you do, yeah. Yeah, well, because also, especially in this venue, right? I would I would guess that the majority, for, certainly for PewDiePie, but I'd imagine the majority of the um, demographic for Kind of Funny is probably, like, dudes, probably white dudes in their teens. Um, like, between, like, 12 and 24 or so. Mm-hmm. And... That's like such an important age that we start helping dudes like shed yeah. toxic behavior, like yeah. to- the toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like to me, it's almost even more important that you be setting a good example there, right? Um, like I think that's you know that's what I think for us to a degree we try to do when we we talk about shit on this show. Absolutely, is, yeah. Um, and and it doesn't mean that we won't ever say stuff that our listeners don't disagree with. Yeah. Um, what I would hope, though, is that if we say we ever do anything that's offensive or say anything that's offensive, that if it's brought back to us, we won't be like, "Man, eh, fuck that!" Like I get to do what I want, or you're right. you're pressing my artistic freedom. Like I'm an artist. I've been a performance a performance artist for for or I've been in performing for thirteen years. Yeah. Um, you have been illustrative for forever. Yeah. Um, I've never felt like my freedoms are, uh. Are, are, are squashed right that i can't do the shit i want to do because right. i'm trying to be politically correct right um i think if anything it gives me uh it challenges me to make better stuff right because i can't be lazy yeah exactly like my whole every time that i talk about this and like i and i had to kind of like get one of my friends together um with a post because he there was some meme that used like clips from rick and morty talking about like well, like, maybe the creators aren't, like, have to, it's not their responsibility to be, like, like, sensitive to your emotions and this and that or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's, like, and and the, the and it was, it was really, really stupid. And th- his post was, like, yeah, this is why, like, PC culture can suck a dick. And I was, like, well, let's, let's take a step back <laughs> first and foremost. And I was, like, I didn't, I, like, I didn't, like, berate him about it. I, I wanted to. I wanted to like really just like drag him over it, but I didn't want to do that because I didn't think that was his intent. But what I told him was, I was like, we we need to dial this back and understand that like when people are talking about things being quote unquote politically correct, it's just having common fucking decency for mm-hmm. other people and maybe not use other people at the expense of a joke. Like, yeah, using people at to be the punchline of your jokes. Like, yeah, it's pretty easy and if you are, like, so lazy to where, like, everything that you do, like, your career is defined based on, like, using marginalized groups or anyone else, like, as a punchline, like, you're, 
like what are you what are you doing like what are you doing like this is it's really it's really sad and it's like create smarter content like you can yeah. you can still be funny and you can still have quote unquote shock value to what it is that you're saying without putting other people under the bus like you can you can do that you can top that line like we've we've seen that kind of content and that those things i think tend to be more subversive those things tend to be better smarter funnier content because it's not relying on these old played out jokes and stereotypes and gags that are just like so old like it's yeah it's just i don't know i I don't i don't get why i don't understand why people don't spend more time listening to Mm -hmm. when when they're being critiqued rather than they're just talking over people there's so much talking over people when someone's like hey what you did is problematic or what you're saying or what you created is problematic and they want to be defensive and be like oh well you're like you're you know you are you know you're like you're attacking my creativity you're you're censoring me and it's like nobody is censoring you like when you put something out for people to to consume whether it's music or art or movies or whatever like you are not above being critiqued yeah for sure like you're not above that so you need to learn like if you expect people to take what it is that you say about them you have to be ready to take it back from what they say to you like that's what that's why i think like the the whole like pc culture thing and the people that are opposed to what they label as pc culture everyone's like oh precious snowflakes and i it's it blows my mind that they don't understand that like they are being that just as much if not more right. because they're freaking out about so, like <laughs> i have a lot of feelings about this um oh, so, so do like I. So do I. yeah like it's not censoring right like um no one said to call on call on moriarty uh well you can't say that and like you know what i take that back some people probably did say that some people probably did tweet those words at him mm-hmm. and that i don't agree with right you can say whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't say whatever the fuck you want without repercussions. Right. Um, freedom of speech uh, and freedom of artistic expression doesn't mean you get to do whatever the fuck you want without people being like, yo, that's not cool. Yeah. Like, that's feedback. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, people, and it happens, it's really strong in the gamer community, have such ownership over these things that they enjoy or these people that they enjoy mm-hmm. that anyone comes after you and you're, you know, you're going to get your site DDoSed or you're going to get, you know, threats sent to your house. Um, and it's, it's fucking ridiculous mm-hmm. and scary. Yeah. Um, but that's like, to me, that's, if you want to talk about being sensitive, that's being that's incredibly sensitive. Exactly. Like the, the, the irony is not lost on your eye whenever we see anybody like saying, oh, you're being such a precious snowflake. It's like, why are you, why are you so pressed about me having an opinion on something that doesn't agree with you? Like, like we're like, like, and people want to use our argument when you're talking about things like race and religion and, and, you know, bigotry and being like, and being homophobic and all that stuff. And like, well, that's just my opinion. It's like, no, 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 no. Like these two things are different. Like whether or not, I like Sailor Moon Crystal over the like over the '90s anime or not. <laughs> that's that's me having an opinion on something like th- like that's. I mean, that's like we're not we're not. It's not the same thing as like talking about whether or not like this person gets to have basic human rights. Like these two things are not the same thing. Like yes, like like and it, 
an opinion is like i don't know um an opinion is like i like coke more than pepsi yeah um uh uh gay people shouldn't be able to get married and should also go to camps where they're programmed to be straight again isn't an opinion like yeah it's it's infringing on someone's rights right. yeah um you know like they're very very different things um or like you know you could say it's an opinion but it's it's a, a hateful rhetoric i yeah. guess yeah and it's um and it's something that actually like affects people that you will never meet and right. you have nothing to deal with right um and that's where there's a huge huge difference in that entire field yeah um you know, and the thing is, like, Collins, you know, resigning from Kind of Funny Games, he's going to go do his own thing. And that does, it gives him a platform to do what he wants to do. Right. Um, which is fine. I mm-hmm. think people should have, as long as you aren't encouraging others to hate or to be closed-minded and bigoted towards people for reasons that um, that aren't any good. And, and when I say reasons that aren't any good, um, hate or anything towards people that are that is based on anything beyond them causing harm to you or harm to others is, is bullshit. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, that's, it's just, it's, it's bigotry and it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as an artist, like I like stuff that's problematic and yeah. I like, like I like anime and anime is like 90% problematic. Yes. Like, let's talk about it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can't, there's shit that I can't recommend to friends because I'm like, I really like most of this series, but there's some shit in it that's fucked up and I don't want to look like a weirdo, so I'm not going to recommend it. Um, sup, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Um, <laughs> like, and like everything else. Uh, and like I, as an artist, like I've done offensive art on stage. Yeah. And sometimes I've done it and it's been bad and uh, has been offensive to people and I've gotten that feedback that it has been. And instead of doubling down and being like, Oh no, you're trying to control my art. You know, you listen yeah, and realize that maybe the thing that you're trying to do or the thing that you're trying to say, you did poorly. Yep. And then you take that feedback to get better. Yeah. And then you can do offensive art later. That's really good. Um, like Michael Shea, who's one of the anchors for Weekend Update and SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched his his comedy special not long ago on mm-hmm. uh, Netflix. He says shit in it that's straight up offensive. Um, I really enjoyed it though, and I could mm-hmm. see people getting offended by it, and that's fine um, because he puts a very interesting uh, lens on it as like a young black man, mm-hmm. and when he says stuff that I find offensive in it, um, or rather that I can see people find it offensive, he also tends to preface it and like talk about why he knows he's wrongheaded in those situations. Yeah. He's like, this is a way that I was like raised or how I'm, what I'm used to. So these are like, this is why I feel this way about these things. It's not right. It's not right at all. I know it's not right, but you know, these are my observations based on having, you know, a bad perspective on these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and given that context, it opens me up as a viewer immediately to be like, oh, okay, like, so I kind of, I can, I can laugh at what you're saying and understand what you're saying without thinking that you are that person. Right. Or, or at least I know that you don't want to be that person. Um, and to me, like, that's what's most important mm-hmm. is that, like, you know, if if Colin had made that joke and then he, instead of having fucking, like, instead of Greg apologizing for him, if he had, if I was, when I saw that, I was like, why isn't Colin fucking doing this? Because um, he obviously wasn't going to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, you know, if he had come up and been like, 
hey, yeah, that joke was stupid and and boring, and I thought it was funny at the time, but I understand why like people are upset, and that's totally my bad. I'll try to be better about that shit. Mm-hmm. Like I would give so many props to that. Yep. because no one does that. That's all you have to yeah. do. Yeah, like just not be a dick. That's all you have to do is just not be. Yeah, a dick. and like, and I'm looking at the tweet right now where he like followed up and doubled down. He was like. Uh, and like basically gave the excuse of like, well, I'm I'm dating a girl, so like she's actually in bed next to me and thinks my blatantly obvious joke is funny because not all people are humor humorless sacks of shit. LOL. It's like, dude, like because you have a girlfriend doesn't me- doesn't make her the ambassador of all women. Like yes, yes. like <laughs> like see that's the kind of like that's the shit that like that gets me every time. It's like. It's like, oh well, I have a black friend, and they said that it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, can, I mean, they say I can say the n word around them, that, so you know. Yeah, so I can say it around everybody. It's like, no, <laughs> no, 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 stop, just stop. Like, yeah, and it's and when it comes to to like, because that's fucking especially in games, and they're like, oh well, this girl's okay with it, so blah blah blah. There's a lot of girls in the gamer gate movement, and I'm like, yeah, and that's fine for them to have those opinions. Um, but it, you know, you have to also take into account internalized misogyny and the fact that the environment that we're in is patriarchal, and so like all of that contributes to even a girl having views that are unhealthy. Um, yeah. And again, like I'm not trying to take away that woman's right and choice to have those views, but it's still being a dick. <laughs> like, you know, I just I don't like doubling down is just such a fucking bad idea. And everyone like it, it wasn't a good idea when KFC did it. Like it's, it was never yeah. a good idea <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. Um uh man, yeah, it's just I if people would just be open to not getting defensive and making learning moments. And may and and just considering, right? Yeah. Um because there's, there's stuff that I read. There's We were just talking about this before we started recording. There was an article that calls out the new Zelda game um, for how they handle some like potential transgender issues mm-hmm. um, near the part of the game where you're at the Gerudo town. I won't go into depth about what happens there because I, I don't want to ruin it because the game came out very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I would, I would say how they handled that moment is certainly a misstep. Um, yeah. That it wasn't handled... It, it uses again a lot of really old and tired punchlines at the expense of a man wearing women's clothing um and i see how that could be offensive to the transgender community absolutely i'm not transgender so i can have my opinion on this and it not be uh it not be worth a whole lot um the tone of the article that i read i felt was maybe like my opinion was that it was maybe a little excessive Mm-hmm. Um, or the the outrage over it was maybe a little bit excessive, mm-hmm. and, and some of the things they bring up in the article, um, I didn't really agree with. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna like go fucking ham at this person, right? Uh, for writing this article, and and um, you know, like say you know, just like badmouth them or threaten them or whatever else, right? right. I'm going to read that and like analyze my own feelings and thoughts on it. See if I'm wrong headed somewhere Yeah, and come out of it and have my opinion on it and then be chill. Right. Um, And that's not me, you know, and and I could still be wrong about it Mm -hmm. uh, by all means, like being open to the possibility of growth and evolving as a person is like really important to be an adult. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's not like we're not over here on high horses because we're both queer and, POCs, right? Right. Um, there's shit that sometimes 
I have to like take stock of. And it's okay to like look at shit and take stock of it and then go, you know, I still don't agree with that. Yeah, and but just and that, don't be a dick about it. Exactly. And that's and that's okay. And people I don't understand why people don't want to take ownership of their own shit. Like, especially in the day of social media where like tweets come and go, but screenshots are forever. Oh, like, receipts are so easy now. Receipts like, are the easiest. Like you like it is so much easier and so it's so it's way more mature of you to just fucking swallow your pride and fucking own it fucking own your bullshit and be like hey i i said something or did something problematic and i either need to a apologize for it or if i don't feel a certain way like i mean and even if you don't feel like you were wrong like you still need to own your shit don't sit here and act like you didn't say it like you you said it and you have to own that like people don't want to take ownership of their own stuff and that's for me that's where i like it just it just blows my mind it's like you like you clearly said this you need to own up to that and you can either own up to that and not you know and learn nothing from it or own up to it and be and learn to be better and i think that it it says more about a person and their character if they're willing to own their mistakes and apologize for them and to move on from them and to not make those same mistakes again. It's not hard. Like, it's not hard to do that. But so, like, I feel like so many people, especially, like, I feel like so many people that are social media influencers and have have these platforms and have such huge followings and they utilize their platform and they just spew incorrect information and then when they're taken to task they don't they don't want to own their shit it's like you can't take it back you made a 15 minute youtube video on it like you <laughs> like you said you have a podcast or whatever like like oh but it was it was just a joke it was just a joke no, no. that 15 minutes of a produced video that i spent hours on yeah, yeah and then it upload just, it was a, it was a joke. Yeah, totally just a joke why are you yeah. so mad about a joke dj yeah yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and and that's the thing that that kind of kills me is that um like like own it, be chill, and and I wish because I I used to be like this. Like I definitely used to be a four chan edgeward kid when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and into being edgy and making off color racist sexist fucking jokes and shit. Like I was a shithead um, until I like learned better. <laughs> Uh, and it took people telling me that I was wrong and confronting me about it and people that I care about being like, Hey, that's not cool. Um, and I think it's so funny that there's so much, um, bitterness and strife in the male straight male nerd community Mm -hmm. about like girls. And a lot of it comes from like girls, not liking them, um, and feeling entitled to girls liking them. And I, I want to be like to like young me and also any of them just be like, yo, uh, one of the best ways to like have good and this isn't this isn't the important reason to do it the important reason is to be a good fucking person right but one of the best ways to do well with uh you know if you're a straight white dude the opposite sex or or, or, um you know i think probably anyone is be a good feminist and being a good feminist is also like you know on top of being a good feminist because being a good feminist to me is included in this is just be a good person um the reason why and 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 the thing is, like, guys, a lot of people think feminism is all about, um, again, that it's restrictive, and it's not. It's, uh, 
if we didn't have toxic masculinity at all, which is a product of misogyny, mm-hmm. um, like I am a hundred percent convinced that everyone across the board, uh, sex color creed would be having better and freakier sex. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and, and if yeah. they chose to, right? Yeah. Like if you, cause there wouldn't be all of these things. I think that make people, um, uncomfortable or mm-hmm. make them worried or give us these, uh, give us these, these, uh, bad, um, bad connotations to our sexuality and our bodies and freedom of expression. Yeah. Um, if we didn't have all this shit, then we would be freer to do everything. I think there would be mm-hmm. so much more freedom to play with the constructs of race and humor and to be more offensive because we know that people aren't actually being like that. Yeah. Um, or to make jokes that maybe we would consider in our society um, offensive from a misogyny standpoint, but they wouldn't be that because everyone's fucking chill and we know it's a joke, right? Because mm-hmm. no one actually has these awful views. Yeah. Um, if anything, racism and misogyny and all this shit keeps us from being free to be super chill with each other, mm-hmm. whether that's platonically or sexually or whatever. Like I'm, I'm fully convinced we'd have a much like hornier accepting, more accepting fun society. If everyone just accepted each other and we didn't have decades and decades of, uh, of, um, stress and internalized issues with race and misogyny and everything else. Yeah. I, and yeah, that's, I agree with that. It would be, it would be so much more if, if you, if boys would just be good feminists, it would be awesome for everyone. And you'd also probably be having like just a much better time overall. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boys. Oh, oh, boys. They're so cute though. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's like so cute and so problematic. Uh, gross. Um, but anyway, moving on, moving on to something better, kind of like still within like the same realm as we're talking about race and, and all that stuff. This is a video games and pop culture podcast, guys. Um, as far as tangentially related to Yeah, it, yeah, it is, it is, it is. And like, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to circle it back by, um, talking about Get Out because I just saw Get Out over the weekend and it was in fucking incredible. Don't so, spoil it. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go too deep into it. Also, this um, is the part of the podcast where I'm gonna keep interrupting you, um, yeah. because because uh, you're a black man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna like do all the worst things. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I don't. Okay, so let me let me go ahead and kind of like start over first. But um, so Get Out is a movie that was created and directed by Jordan Peele, who was better known for being half of the group Key and Peele on the show that was on Comedy Central, ran for, mm-hmm. I believe, five seasons, and it's fan-fucking-tastic. It is so good. That show is so funny. So oh, Key and Peele? Yes. And if you want to talk about a show that, like, had definitely offensive sketches in it, but they, because they had a message or were talking about something, we're doing it from a view that's we never see, mm-hmm. uh, from a pr- oppressed view, it, yeah. was, uh, it was amazing, and it was yeah. art as opposed to bullshit. So, so good. It was just, just so, so good. Um, yeah, so they have, uh, 
they have since um, separate have gone their separate ways, but they said they would plan on coming. They would come together to do projects together um, every every couple of years or something like that. But yeah, they they had been working together so closely for years, and especially working on Key and Peele together that like they wanted to go off and do their own thing. And this is kind of like Jordan Peele's like breakout breakout um, film that he's done, and it was phenomenal. And it kind of like touches on a lot of a lot of microaggressions that black people like that black men since in the, since this, in in this movie it was a black man since like that black men face in society when you're with when you're surrounded by white people and and all that stuff and it's really it's really really good it's really it's it's brilliant like and I don't do horror movies I don't watch horror films or anything like that because I don't understand the appeal of spending money to be scared when <laughs> being scared is something that I don't want to be so I typically don't see a lot of horror movies and also I'm like super I'm such a little bitch. I'm such like a little punk when it comes to this stuff because like I'm like super squeamish when it comes to blood and and gore and all that stuff. Especially when it's like with like real people. Like if it's a video game or an animated thing, like it's fine. But like the second it's like a live action person, their head's getting chopped off or something. I can't. I just. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. But um, fortunately, um, Get Out isn't so much a slasher film as it is kind of like a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so good and it's something that i think is so important that we need in in 2017 especially in trump's america um where topics of race and religion are so are very much in the forefront of everything in all aspects of our lives right now um this this type of content is is great and and i was having a conversation me and my boyfriend were talking about this in the car um, the the amount of black excellence that is happening, like over the pa- over over last year and going into twenty and going into twenty seventeen, um, we've been seeing a lot of content from black creators that has just like we're in like the second renaissance of like black media again. Because like I felt like in the nineties there were like there was so much really really good like black content fresh prince and, of bel-air yeah Family matters mm-hmm. uh in the uh, different Col- world different world in living color living yeah. single like all, like all that stuff there's so many there's there was so much good black television and we're getting a lot of fantastic black cinema with hidden figures and um and fences and get out and moonlight and we were having a conversation between about get out and moonlight and how what we were saying, I feel what we were both saying, and what both my boyfriend and I agreed on, is that Moonlight deserves every accolade that it had, one hundred percent. But I don't think that it will have as much cultural impact because people that see films like Moonlight are already people that are pretty that I would like to I would like to think are pretty open minded and are very like you know, probably have, like, liberal sensibilities and are probably queer or, like, or just, like, just open-minded to people and they're just good people. And they want to see films about other people's experiences and things like that. They want to see, like, a beautiful piece of cinema, which that movie was out of this world, phenomenal, it was beautiful, it was wonderful, I could talk about it forever. But I think that because of its genre, 
that it might not have as much impact. Socially, it has a ton of impact. But, like, impact in terms of, like, subverting subverting genres. Like, it, uh, so Get Out, to me, has a bigger opportunity to... Sub- has a bigger opportunity of really reaching a lot of people that a film like Moonlight wouldn't normally reach. Um, and I say that because... I feel like that the horror, like the horror kind of like slasher film or like psychological thriller um, demographic of people is much broader than the demographic of people that watch Moonlight. And that demographic of people that are watching horror movies um, tends to be bigger, broader, and touches more people outside of just black people. It touches like everybody. It has the opportunity to touch everyone. And I, think, I mean, if you're hyper conservative, they're probably both horror movies. For yeah, you. yeah, serious, seriously, seriously, <laughs> honestly, honestly, yeah. Um, so I think that um, Get Out has the opportunity to really have a lot of impact and spark a lot of really meaningful conversation, meaningful and difficult conversations that need to be had, um, given with given like race relationships and how things are in in today's society, um, because it subverted its genre and really kind of delved a lot into the anxieties of what it means to be a black man in America when you are in a situation where you are the only black person. Like there were so many points in that movie to where I felt like, like not, I don't want to say I felt uncomfortable, but like, it was like, Oh, I'm like, Oh my God. 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 Like I've experienced this at so many different points in my life. Like, like, it was just, it was, it just hit so close to home in a lot of different ways. And, and yeah, like, it was, it, it's so good. It's so good. And it's the first film to, uh, it, it broke, it was, uh, uh, blah, 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 I can't, I'm stumbling over all of my words because I'm thinking about so many <laughs> things at once. Um, so Get Out was, if I'm not mistaken, the first movie by a black director to surpass a hundred million, yeah, and, 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 um, and box office and the opening, and opening yeah. week, yeah, and, and, and its opening, which is incredible. It only cost four point five million to make, and mm-hmm. they've already surpassed a hundred million. Yeah, like, they just made the studio so much money. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's incredible. If you haven't seen it yet and you don't do horror films, as someone that doesn't do horror films, go watch it. Mm-hmm. You won't be disappointed. It's so good. And this is just like an ally note for anyone listening. Uh, so I haven't said anything for a bit besides making little jokes here and there. That's because uh, DJ's a black man talking about a movie about the black experience, which as woke as I might try to be or whatever, however you want to phrase it, I don't know because I haven't lived it. So yeah. what you do is you shut up and you listen. <laughs> um, and that's, Who you know, would have thought? Who would have thought? Who it's, it's very easy to shut up and listen. Yeah. Um, even when you're best friends and you know you can get away without uh, without having to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do have a... Because I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, though, one of the, the things that's really interesting about it is... Um, and again, why, why I think you might be right about it having more cultural impact um, than Moonlight. Not just because of the, the demographics it's going to appeal to and who's going to go see it. Um, but Moonlight... From what I understand, because I didn't, I didn't, haven't catched Moon, I haven't caught Moonlight either. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, it was like pretty blatant that it was about homosexuality as oh, a, yes. a black man. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely, like very much there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Get Out, I think, is obviously about race, but mm-hmm. it's about 
uh, as far as I can tell from the trailers and what I've read about it, it's about subversive racism, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like the family of the main character, his white girlfriend, their family is not like a, you know, they're not like Confederate flag waving KKK members. It's not like it's an overt racism. It's all these microaggressions. It's a, a, a white family that sees themselves as very liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a, the like, I voted for Obama joke in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There definitely is one. Um, which is like you is yeah meeting a black person and being like oh hey I voted for Obama is for sure like a weird defensive microaggression um, absolutely because like, it, 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 it's just yeah it's just this weird performative thing of just like certainly I am not one of those racists because I did I did this thing mm-hmm. um, that doesn't at all mean you're not racist necessarily right um, and it and even for me like as as like a Latino. Um, but also just not as um, I'm colored of a different type, um, but I'm not black. Uh, I'm sure when I watch it, there'll be things where I'm just like, oh shit, I've definitely done that to some black friends and that's fucked up. I need to like, take a look at that yeah. and do that. Yeah. Um, shit that I've maybe have even done to DJ. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I do think that like, it's really important to, and I think the genre of horror probably, um, allows those things to be highlighted in ways that make them super obvious or makes mm-hmm. you go like, Oh no, that's terrible. And then yeah. realize, Oh wait, that is terrible. And that's the thing that people do all the time. And mm-hmm. I just didn't realize it cause it wasn't like set in a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely, the film is very much that and it's so good. It's, it is fan fucking tastic. It is, it is great. I I want to see it again, <laughs> and um and uh, to kind of uh, take a step back and talk about Moonlight again really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, it is available online streaming to like download or purchase. Um, I believe it's fourteen ninety nine on iTunes if mm-hmm. you want to buy it digitally, or and it's like five bucks to rent it. But yeah, like if you have a free night, if you want to watch Moonlight, you should definitely should. It's a very, very, very good film. Um. I was talking to my, oddly enough, my trainer at the gym, who is Asian American, uh, straight Asian American guy, really, really cool. He's like, I saw Moonlight and it was really, really good. And like, I know ne- I've never seen anything like that before. And we had like, it was, it was just funny. Like while I'm like doing like chest presses, presses, like I'm like talking to him about like the, the, the black queer experience. <laughs> like, like lifting weights is like the most butch and woke that I've ever been at like this, at like the same time. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a it it's there's a lot of really good stuff going on right now um in terms of content, and I think that if anything is to come of this very tumultuous time that we're facing right now in our country, is that we're getting really good poignant content that I think that had. That might that we might not necessarily have be getting or might have as much of an impact had things not have gone the way that they ha- that they did. But I'm glad I'm like I'm glad that we're still that people are creating and that we're getting really ama- really good amazing content this year and in the years to come. There's a lot more cool stuff going coming down the pipeline and uh, yeah, I just want to see more people of color like out there creating and making things happen and telling amazing stories that we haven't seen before and and you know challenging the the status quo and fucking the patriarchy and all that shit but and uh, it, yeah and it certainly um it certainly doesn't diminish or uh like trade off with how many 
very real lives will be lost or yeah. like um unfair shitty deportations are happening to yeah. people yeah um and, and all of that for sure mm-hmm. uh because i know like that's an argument that i've read about too where it's like the you hear that a lot where it's like well bad times great good art uh which is great um but uh yeah i just want i guess i wanted to underline not that th- that you were saying this but um that like i would i would much rather take everyone having proper rights absolutely um, and all that oh, stuff yes. over like over great art being made yeah um, absolutely but on the plus side though to help us get through all of that very real terrible shit um you know i, I do think it, it it um when things are easy as an artist you might not feel the need to address or speak up about a thing mm-hmm. because it's less real or it seems less imminent or less important to address. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad that we're already seeing, um, seeing this stuff being addressed, which is really dope. Yeah. And that's, and that's the point that I was, that I was trying to make. So I, I really appreciate you clarifying that because I, and def- I knew that's what, I knew yeah. that's the point you're trying to make. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I've definitely seen, uh, I recently read an article that like talking about that and I was like, fuck, you're right. I didn't think about how like, when that's said, that is sort of a, a, a privileged place to use that phrase. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I knew that you were coming from like the right place on it. I just yeah. wanted to clarify for the listeners. Oh yeah, no, I appreciate you doing that because I, I literally like was talking about something like ten, like tangentially adjacent to this the other day. Um, Fiverr, that that app where you like you pay like five bucks yeah. and like you have people do a service for you, and it's like people are like romanticizing like. Oh, like, no, like, drinking coffee at 2 a.m., no sleep, no food, no this. That's what doers are, fiver. And it's like, no, 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 let's not romanticize, like, killing yourself for your craft. That's not okay. You need to go to sleep. You need to take naps. You need to eat. You need to exercise. You need to go outside so that you can still create shit. Like, we have to stop romanticizing this concept of, like, the literal starving artist. Like, that's not, like, it's not... It's not cute. That's not a thing. It's not there's, a thing. Yes. To, there's literally no reason for that. Yeah, there's literally no reason to romanticize that. It's like, oh my god, this person like like cannot like pay their rent. Like that's like this is not okay. That's not and like, oh my god, that's so brilliant that they can't pay their rent. It's like, no. No, that's not okay. Don't romanticize this. Like we people need to be paid for their services. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that life should be without hardship. Cause I do yeah. to some degree think that like hardship does help mold, uh, mm-hmm. people. And it, mm-hmm. but it's not required. I know people that have had like super easy lives that are amazing, great people. And I know people that have had terrible lives that are still shit bags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think America loves to romanticize. Um, you know, I, I, well, this, this, I, I see these articles all the time where it's like, this man walks six miles uh, to and from work every day and uh and you know he's still getting by uh and like they're you know it's someone who's like still fucking poor making minimum wage and like it's like well you know i just i do it because i have to and -hmm. everyone's just like why why can't more of these other lazy minorities and everyone else be like this guy see he's doing it i'm like because he's like he's doing it in a fucking terrible way that probably makes lots of that lots of that dude's life terrible yeah um and I'm sure that's not what he would prefer. I'm sure he would prefer to have a car, you know, yeah. and have a job that he gets paid what he should get paid for. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so, yeah, it's it's a weird thing that, like, and I think artists do that a lot, too, for sure, mm-hmm. where we romanticize this stuff. And I'm just like, no, please be healthy. There's no yeah. reason for you to be killing yourself to do what you love. Mm-hmm. I'm like, please take a nap. Like, 
eat some, like do I like I will I will fucking order you a pizza online and send it to your house like if you <laughs> something like, like eat please eat something <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah like I yeah it, yeah ugh, I hate I, yeah I don't like that at all but mm-hmm. um we're gonna take a short break but we're gonna get to the meat and potatoes of this show <laughs> yeah all and, this important shit we talked about it's not nearly as important not, not, as not nearly as important as Zelda <laughs> So we're going to take a Uh. quick break and then we're going to jump into some Breath of the Wild. So Breath of the Wild, Ruben. That's yeah, uh, yeah. How all that. that. How about them Zeldos? I mean, Moonlight, Get Out. Uh, you know, important discussions, all very good. But we know what you're here for. We know what's really important right now. It's true. And that's some Zelda. Um, yeah, man. I um, I was talking about this on Twitter earlier today. It it's le- it legitimately might be, if not. And I haven't even finished it, but at this point, if not my favorite game ever, it's certainly the best Zelda I've ever played. Um, if not my favorite game ever, it's like right up there with Super Metroid. It's very close. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so, it's so huge, but not in a way that I find overwhelming. It's in a way yes. that I find impressive and that I just want to explore constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and other open world games do that really well, like Witcher Three and and Skyrim and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what makes it very different from games like that and Fallout and like basically all like the big Bethesda games too um, is there's so much character and it's so uh, it's so joyful. And it's weird because this Zelda, without ruining any of the plot stuff, this Zelda is one of the more like the tone is more of the narrative at least the story is more depressing and serious than a lot of them have been i yeah. feel like yeah it's pretty sad um but yeah we're gonna definitely try to you know not try but we're not gonna spoil anything for those of you that haven't gotten your hands on breath of the wild yet either on switch or uh the wii u but mm-hmm. uh yeah we're just gonna be gushing about kind of what we've experienced so far in the game and, yeah any yeah, anything it's... we mention is stuff that i'll kind of try to make sure has been sort of um like basic stuff that's already been talked about um at large mm-hmm. um like i think most people know that it's the you're sort of as the hero of time in this game you're sort of uh a little bit out of time in a way mm-hmm. uh or or rather like the events of the game that happened all sort of happened before you start playing and so the world that you're exploring is largely a world in the aftermath of those events um which to me kind of like is part of what makes it feel so um lonely in a way yeah um that makes it very sad in some ways and i'm amazed that they can do that narratively which is very fulfilling Mm -hmm. but then make like every interaction and every detail is just like made to make you have fun and be charmed by and, Mm -hmm. and take joy in um god it's really good it's really good there's something like i remember my biggest concern of the game before it came out was everything that we saw i was like where is anything i'm like where like we just see a lot of like traversal and like climbing things and whatever and i'm like but where's but where's the narrative 
and uh-huh. then but then like actually playing the game it's like it's it's very much there but so much of what i actually love about this game is are like those quiet moments of where you're just like on horseback like going to the next destination or wherever or just like exploring a zone that you haven't been to yet and just that sense of like wonder and surprise the vastness of the game is so rewarding like i found myself with a couple of play sessions where i would play for like two or three hours and did i really accomplish a whole lot no but i felt i felt like fulfilled i felt like i didn't i didn't feel like well i didn't do anything this is a waste of my time or whatever and i know people that do, that do feel that way about the game that are like i have so much to do I don't have the time to just like neander around for three or five hours not doing anything. So like I get that side of it too. But I think what makes that game so beautiful is that there are these just like quiet moments where all you hear is just like the wind blowing and you're just like taking in your surroundings and what you're seeing in front of you and referring to your map and just like seeing the vastness of this world. And it's, and it's, enchanting it's it's magical it's like you look at something you're like i wonder what that is over there and like you can literally go to it and like climb on top of it or go inside of it or or whatever like it's and there's (laughs) i'm just like this is so amazing (laughs) i love this and i was i was almost worried when i um there was information about the size of the map before the game came out um just to get kind of give you guys a comparison um so, like, when I played Skyrim, I remember being like, man, this game's fucking huge. Uh, just massive. Um, this is... Uh, ooh, I'm going to have to do some quick math for this. But, like... Okay, eight? Yes. The Breath of the Wild map is about eight times the size of Skyrim's map. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I believe it's bigger than The Witcher 3. I think the only game it's not bigger than is, uh, or not the only game, but the only like game I can think of that it's not bigger than is Xenoblade. Yeah. Um, and Xenoblade's also a game where like eventually you get into a huge mech and you can traverse very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and what blows my mind is I was like, I was like how are they going to fill that with interesting stuff? How is it going to be not feel empty and desolate? Mm-hmm. And there's moments when I would traverse where I was like, huh, there's not a whole lot here, like towns wise but there's so much environmental storytelling going on mm-hmm. um that because there's there's not that many people in this game and there's mm-hmm. not that many towns or that many cities or, or 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 what have you um there's like four major civilization zones and then there's a couple cities here and there um but there's so much environmental storytelling that everywhere you go kind of tells a little story there's personality to it. There's lore to it. Um, every time I pick up the controller to play, I go like, cool, today I'm going to do this thing that's on the critical path. I'm going to, you know, get this thing done. Um, and what should take me like maybe an hour, I'll play for four hours and not even get it done because on my way there, I've found so many tiny, interesting little stories happening that the environment tells me. Uh, the realm of Hyrule has never felt more like an actual kingdom to me. Yeah. Um, there, You go through places... Uh, and when you go to places like if it's a named area, you'll it'll pop up on your screen. And I've walked through places that are obviously like old battlefields, 
Um, yeah. And there's still ruins from those fights. And talking to NPCs, I'll get information about what went, like what happened at that battle or at that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can see like the remnants of it. Uh, and it's the storytelling there is so cool. Yeah. And so interesting that it really makes you want to explore. And what the game does is I think a lot of games, um, if you go off the critical path a lot uh, and go exploring, there might be like rewards here and there. You might find things that are like, oh, this is a cool item that's strong or whatever else. But um, narratively or emotionally, there's not a lot to reward you in those cases, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever strayed off the critical path in this game and been like, oh, that was a waste of time going over here. Like there's almost always like a shrine that I'll find or a really just interesting ruin that tells me some more about the story or um, an NPC I run into that like, you know, has an interesting thing for me to do or say, there's always something you're always rewarded no matter where you go in the world, which is uh, with how big the map is, is amazing. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Whenever I come across something in that game, like, like there's this sense of discovery that I really like about this game because I usually like stay away from open world games because I'm often overwhelmed by the vastness of it. I honestly like being kind of led through a narrative, kind of like in the previous Zelda games, but this one... I feel like I am, I like, because, like, you are, you, I mean, you, you can be led through the narrative and critical path the game if you want to, but I think you're going to miss out on so much on what makes this game wonderful by just kind of, like, exploring and going to thing, going to places where you think you might not supposed to be at and just go and explore it. And you, ne- and, like, I've never... Because, like, I feel like in other games that are open world, it's, like, you can go to these places, but it's, like, oh, I'm clearly not supposed to be here yet. Even if the game is, like, open world, it's, like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't have what I'm supposed to have to do this yet. Like, I need to, like, not, I need to go back over here to this area, because this is clearly where I need to be to kind of progress through the story and level up or whatever, or whatever, or whatever that means, um in those experiences. But in this, you can literally do anything in whatever order you want to. And I think learning that coming from playing so many Zelda games in the past, that this sense of freedom, it's like, Oh yeah. Like I can do whatever I want. I can go over there if I want to, I don't have to like have, have these particular items or something to do this, do this quest or to do this dungeon or whatever like you can literally do anything at any point at any time and i love that and i i love um one of my i really like zelda games one of the things that uh consistently uh, i've turned me off about them is invariably to me the first three to four hours of a zelda game is usually very boring in my Mm -hmm. opinion because it has what i what i consider like a very uh protracted uh tutorial Mm-hmm. And this game has that sort of, um, but the difference is, is I feel like in previous Zelda games, it's always like you wake up in a forest or a town or whatever, and we see Link, and Link has to talk to the people in that town um, or that island in Wind Waker, um, 
or that floating island in Skyward Sword. Um, and you have to do all these kind of small tasks that are teaching you mechanics of the game, but that aren't important or don't feel like a big deal. And then there's an inciting incident where it's like, oh, shit, okay, here's where, like, now it's uh, Ganon did something or Zelda is in trouble or, or whatever it is that sets the game off. And then you're in the game. Um, and this doesn't do that. Like, the game starts, you walk out of a cave, and there's a whole big world. Um, you talk to an old guy because he's the only thing that you see nearby, and you kind of get clued in on what's going on. You do get what sort of amounts to a tutorial that in, consists of doing four shrines, but you can do them in any order you want. You can explore the area that you spawn in as much as you want, and it's a really, the Great Plateau, it's a really huge area. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's cool is those four shrines give you um, the four abilities that you're going to use for the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, and there's there's aspects of it that I miss because I'm a big Metroidvania fan, so mm-hmm. I do really love getting like a particular weapon that stays with you and gives you a new ability, mm-hmm. and that opens up new things for you to do or areas that you couldn't go to before or yeah. access. Yeah. And this game doesn't have that, and I do sort of miss that in a way, but it is really refreshing to be given these four abilities off the bat, and then once you do that, the game you're kind of locked off to the Great Plateau. The game gives you a way to leave it and you can go wherever the fuck you want from there. Um, I do think they are... There's gentle nudges to send you in certain directions. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think they 100% mean for you to go to the Zora Domain first. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's like definitely there. But you don't have to. Um, Like I was just talking to DJ about this before we started recording. Like... um, I've done the Zoro domain. Now I'm in the uh, Gerudo domain. Uh, whereas DJ did the Zoro one and then the... Um, the Goron. Uh, the Gorons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the tools that you're given, you can also do stuff any way you want to. Um, you can use things... You know, if you're, if you're not great at shooting a bow and arrow in the game... You know, you can kite enemies and use bombs. Like, there's so many ways to... Even if you go into parts of the game that are, like, obviously harder than your level or, like, how much ability you have at that point or how many hearts you have, you can still figure out ways to do it. Like, I did Eventide Island with, like, four hearts and not a lot of stamina. And it was very, very hard, but it was incredibly rewarding. Yeah. Um, Or, like, um, you can go... There's actually a lot of speedrunners. I think they have the game down to about 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. You can skip almost the entire game and just go to uh, the end game area. Um, I guess I can say it. it's Hyrule Castle. You're made aware of that like immediately when you start the game. Um, you can go to Hyrule Castle and like go fight the boss um, if you want to. It's you're gonna have a bad time probably, um, but you can do that. Like I have the Hylian Shield way before I probably should because I chose to sneak like sneak into a part of Hyrule Castle and get it. Um, yeah. And then leave immediately because it was going to kill me otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much. Um, it really respects the intelligence of the player. Yeah. And I think it does it without without throwing you in the deep end. But like there's no um, cooking is a big part of the game, like a really, really important part of the game. You will yes. die if you don't cook and make things to help you um, endure climate or just the fact that most things in the game can one-shot you for the first probably 10 hours of the game. Yes. And then there's some things that can one-shot you for, uh, you know, I- I'm 40-something hours in, and I have quite a few hearts, and there's still things that one-shot me. Yep, me too. Um, it is the hardest a Zelda game has ever been. 
mm-hmm. by far. I, I think that some of the comparisons to Dark Souls aren't completely insane. No, um, I yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely uh, agree with that. Like, especially the short amount of time that I was in Hyrule Castle, I was like, oh, fuck, this is like a Dark Souls game now. Um, just like the way it felt and how hard everything was. Um, it's just, it does such a good job. Um, and without ruining any of the narrative, the things they're doing with Princess Zelda in this story are far different from any Zelda game I've played. Mm-hmm. And incredibly interesting. And I, I think that um, I saw some people critique the fact that in the trailer, like a lot of the shots of Zelda, she looked either upset or crying. And people took it as this. Um, like, oh, there we go again. Like the yeah. damsel in distress got to save the crying princess. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like this anti-feminist damsel in distress thing. And uh, if you play the game, that's not at all what it it's is. It's not at all, yeah. And the reason for how Zelda acts is one of the most, like, sincere and sort of heartbreaking things I think I've ever seen in a Zelda game. Yeah. Uh, for her character specifically. Uh, the mm-hmm. stuff that she's dealing with is, like, is huge. And it makes sense why she's in emotional distress often in the game. Mm-hmm. Um which is also why, like, this is a, kind of goes back to the conversation we were having before, to a degree. Um, it's also why I try not to make any 100%, you know, judgment calls until I see or play a thing. Right. Um, I, I might right. see a trailer and be like, okay, for instance, example, small tangent, like Iron Fist. I saw the trailers, I saw all the stuff about it, and I was like, fuck, this doesn't look like it's going to be good. Like, this looks like it's going to be a hot mess. Um, and in, according to all the reviewers, it is. But, you know, I was going to say, okay, well, let me see. They might subvert something. They might do something interesting with it. I think that you can absolutely, if you're um, adept and skilled, you can play one story and and play these tropes and then turn them on their head and make an even more powerful or interesting message. And I think this game is probably headed in that direction, is what Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why I try not to ever, like, shit on something 100% before I get all the facts about it. Um, I will say, I will call out, though, if from the little bit they show, it does look like a mess. I will say that much, at least. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But, man, it's just, like, I don't know. It's so it's so good. Uh, like, DJ, do you have, I guess, again, without spoilers, uh, is there, like, a part of the game that's been your favorite so far? Um, the uh, getting, obtaining the, abil- the four abilities, mm-hmm. um, the getting them, how you get them has been really, really fun mm-hmm. so far. Um, Are you talking about I the, the four feel... bigger abilities, the Divine Beast stuff? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, yeah. okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and I just... Like, I've played... I, there have been... I think every time I turn on the game, I'm always like, at least in every play session, I'm, in every play session, I'm like, wow. Like, this is fucking cool. Like... <laughs> Like I'm, I'm constantly like, ooh! Like every time that I'm playing the game, it's been so much fun. I've never been I like, like I play a lot of video games as as everyone that listens to the show knows. Like both of us do. Ugh, we and, know DJ. Ugh. And, <laughs> ugh, video games, and um, like I enjoy a lot of games, but I'm, I haven't felt like I've been like wow, like, holy shit, like, at a game before in a really long time. And I've just been, I've really been enjoying myself playing Zelda. I'm taking my time. I don't want to rush through it. 
Um, and I told myself I would take the entire month of March to get through it because Persona comes out next month, so I have to. I, I'm on the exact I'm, same, exact I'm, same. I'm literally not playing anything else, like like once Persona Five is out. Ugh, but Mass um, Effect, though. <laughs> I know, I know, and I, and I need to somehow fit in fit in finishing uh, near uh, auto, um, Automata, Automatopia, Automama. <laughs> um, it, it's that game is very good too, by the way. I haven't, um, I haven't bought it. It's so it's so good. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I've just been really enjoying taking my time, hopping on my horse. And just like riding around, riding around, getting it, and just having a really good time, just taking in all the sights, just taking in this world that they've crafted. And like, there are so many teeny tiny little details in in the game. Like when you go to towns and just just like like go and really look at everything. Just like look at stuff. It's so cool. Like, there's so many little touches, and typically whenever you're like, I wonder what's over there, if you're, like, going on a path somewhere, and then you, like, go off the beaten path, you're going to encounter something, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, like, I, this is, like, the first open world game that I've played in a very long time to where I didn't feel overwhelmed. Like, it's, it's funny, because it does, um... It's like Nintendo took the best parts of Ubisoft open world games without taking all the fucking horrendous parts of them. Yeah. Like, towers are a thing in this game. Like, you climb up the tall tower, and then you get, like, you can get more of the map, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But what Ubisoft games do is they populate the map when you do that with um, a billion tiny things, like side quests and activities to do, for, like, the sake of being a completionist, which is, A, overwhelming, B, uh, doesn't encourage you to explore, it just encourages you to go to, you know, to point B. Um, Yeah. Whereas this is just like, cool, now you can see the map, so you can see what might look geographically interesting on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more like geographically interesting a place is on the map, you can probably surmise that it's probably important to go to. Yeah. Uh, but it's just saying, like, cool, now you can actually see what's on this map in this area. Go check it out. Go, yeah, have fun. Um, for how big the map is, traversal's fast enough that mm-hmm. I never feel really upset. Yeah. Um, the, okay, there's there's two there, if there's two gripes I have about the game, um, and that's amazing that I only have two for such a big intricate game. Yeah. Um, there's a weather cycle system. Okay, scratch that. Three. Um, but I think the third one's a bug. <laughs> um, so there's a weather cycle in the game, and it rains. It rains a lot. And it does rain. It does rain a lot. And when it rains, you you really can't climb things, and climbing is very important to getting places quickly. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I understand it from a realism perspective. Um, and I've found, uh, Aaron actually figured this out. If you put on all the rock climbing gear, if you, uh, with the rock climbing gear, you go faster. So like, if you do like six, like little hups as you're climbing mm-hmm. and then jump, you always slide down some when it's raining, when you jump, if you do six little hups, you jump, you slide down some, and then you do six again, you do slowly make progress. So if you have enough stamina, you can climb stuff in the rain, but mm-hmm. it's really frustrating. It takes forever. Um, yeah. If you don't have the rock climbing gear on, it's like three hups and then a jump. Uh, yeah. There's a little Prima Games strategy guide pro tip for you. All the little uh, hups. <laughs> all the little hups. Um, 
but there are, there have been points in the game where it's like, cool, I want to just go over this mountain because it's faster to go where I'm going, or I just want to go over this mountain to see what's there because I don't know what's there. And then it rains. And it doesn't just rain for the next like hour in game. It rains for like the next five hours in game. So I'm just standing there or clinging to the side of a mountain for 20 real life minutes. Um, and that sucks. That gets in the way of fun and exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate that. And I was like, well, maybe at some point you'll get an upgrade that makes it so you can climb in the rain. And as far as I know, that's not a thing. Uh, I looked it up, and supposedly never. There's nothing that ever happens there that, that lets you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a misstep. Yeah. Um, I'm torn on weapons having damage, and because weapons break and they break fast. In this they game. break. They break. They do break. break blah, 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 break pretty quickly. Like stronger bosses, I've gone through four weapons on a boss. Yep. <laughs> um, like easy, easy. Yeah. Uh, so. At one point, it forces you to constantly vary what you use and sort of explore your options of what you use, which I think is really cool because there's so many different weapons in the game. And not just different weapons, but different weapon types that play differently. Mm -hmm. And so I think, again, it encourages you to explore weapons the same way the game encourages you to explore the actual world. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, it can be really frustrating when you're in a fight and you break all of your weapons and then you have nothing but your bows and then those are also finite. Um, yeah because you potentially will have you could have to bail on a fight um unless you just somehow can then finish the fight with your bombs um but if it's such a hard boss that you're breaking all of your stuff and using all of your stuff you probably just can't finish the fight with bombs um so that can be annoying um and it sucks like that there aren't any completely unbreakable weapons in the game Mm -hmm. oh sorry there is one completely unbreakable weapon in the game but it has it works on a charge instead um, so you can't use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have, I think, liked it if unique weapons just didn't ever break. Yeah. Um, instead, I think they can they can break, and you can get them remade. Um, yeah. Which is like nice, but it also costs like really good resources to do that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the unique weapons, in my experience, aren't that good. They're like okay. Yeah. Like the Zora unique weapon is like, I got I looked at it and I was like maybe I'm just like like too far ahead in this game as far as the equipment i'm getting already but like mm-hmm. it wasn't very good attack level wise yeah um uh, yeah i think you're wait, wait did you have another gripe or was that it uh the only other gripe i have is that so the game does do a thing called a blood moon and the blood moon is basically how the game repopulates its enemies after you've killed them um so i get the the need for that technically um and it's cool like it looks cool uh what sucks is that the blood moon itself seems crazy glitchy. It's supposed to happen like every so many nights. Um, sometimes in the game, I will get a blood moon at like 10 PM and then I'll get a blood moon again at like 4 AM the next day. Oh my gosh. I've I've gotten blood moons like at like 7 PM. Like I've gotten at least three blood moons in one day. Like in one place in one play session. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So there's something fucked up with the cycle for blood moons in the game, which just gets. Uh, it's not even so much about having to fight enemies over again if I'm in the same area that I just killed some in. It's because there's a cutscene every time the blood moon happens. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I've been able to skip it. It'll say skip with like the plus button sign. Yeah. But the last couple times I've been playing the game, I can't skip it. I have to yeah. watch the entire cutscene, and I don't know what that's about. I don't know why I can skip it sometimes, and other times I can't. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I think that like, this might be a bug. I think that's yeah. a bug. So if they patch that, then you know, all good. Mm-hmm. 
But these are my only, literally my only gripes. Everything yeah, else about the game is perfect. And that's very minimal in terms of like what what they are. And they were, and your gripes are pretty much the the same as mine. Like those are pretty much the things that I'm like, mm, that's a little frustrating here and there. But beyond that, like it's it's fine. Yeah, and, and for, for for such a uh, for such a big game with so many moving parts and that's so intricate, it blows my mind that everything else works as well as it does mm-hmm. and is as good as it is. Um, and now, DJ, you had mentioned meat and potatoes, and I don't want to go, uh, us to go too much longer. So let's get into the real meat and potatoes. Uh, you know how our podcast works. There's some fucky fucky characters in Zelda, and actually, I was having this conversation with Aaron. I don't know if Zelda's getting fuckier or if we're the ones getting fuckier is it just us (laughs) are we the fucky ones dj it it might be us but like i feel like this is horny zelda like i feel like this is a thirst of the wild (laughs) i might say i'm not gonna see that that one's pretty good i'm not gonna get mad at that one that one's pretty that one's pretty on yeah yeah i mean yeah so uh the zora prince Yes, if you've been on social media, you've seen Sedone. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to talk about no spoils on that one, because it's not a spoiler. It's clear and evident. He's a beautiful shark boy. Yeah, he is a beautiful, good shark boy. Who's so kind and so supportive. Yeah, he's the sweetest. Mm. Mm. So good. Mm. Um, Mifa is very cute. Yeah. Uh, the Gerudo, like, everyone's, the Gerudo, oh, so you haven't gone to the Gerudo town yet? Not yet, but I've seen I've seen dumb ladies. All I'm gonna say about that that I think is amazing is, uh, so many different uh, shades mm-hmm. of color in in the Gerudo girls, mm-hmm. um, and then also so many different body types. Like, yeah, some of them are like jacked, six pack, super muscular. Um, all of them are big. They're all Amazons because that's just Gerudos. Um, but, like, some of them are, like, super, super jacked. Some of them are thick. Um, some of them are, like, big girls. But they're all just, like, beautiful and fucking working it. And, like, if it's, like, a bigger girl, it's not like she's, like, hiding her body. She's wearing the same, like, belly dancer-esque outfit every Grudo female wears. Um, it's just, like, all these beautiful, huge, thick, strong women of varying body types and sizes and, like, different hips and, and different torsos. And it's just, like... Dope. It's so mm-hmm. cool to see that in a game where it's just like all these different sizes and types and everyone's dope and, and just just working it. Mm-hmm. And there is so much like variety in in character and even in the Hillians, even in um like all of the NPCs that are running around in the different towns that you go to, like they're all like really different looking. They're all like they're like the design language of all the games, for how vast and different all the character designs are, there's, like, this unifying, like, design language around all of them, mm-hmm. and they just look so good. Like, everything just looks really, really good. Everything, like, is designed with a purpose. Like, it, it's just... It's so good, and then Sidon is just so fucky. And he's such a good boy. He's, he's just such so... A, he's so sweet. He's such a good fish boy. Like, everything he does is just, like, immediately hyper-charming and supportive. And you're mm-hmm. just like, not only are you beautiful, but you're perfect. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're so supportive. You're so good. And I'm so happy. So I have uh, 
for a game as big as this, the, I guess the one other thing I would say, but it's not really about the game so much. It is about the game, just not about how it plays. Um, the voice acting to me in a lot of characters' cases leads, leaves something to be desired. Mm-hmm. Um, Zelda's voice actress is okay, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, the, she has sort of a like weird British-esque like mm-hmm. high fantasy aristocratic voice mm-hmm. that's like hyper breathy. Yeah, it's um, really breathy. Yeah. Super super breathy. Um and that's fine, but it just mm-hmm. like it's like I don't know, it's too it almost it seems almost like too proper especially for her character. Mm-hmm. Um and just I don't know, something about it just the delivery of some of the lines too uh, just are not to me good. Um Mifa who's the Zora princess is the worst offender to me. She's like even more breathy than Zelda is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and her lines are even flatter than mm-hmm. Zelda's to me. Like, delivery is just real bad across the board. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, Perfect Boy, Sedone, his voice is just fine. <laughs> yeah. He's totally okay. Um, it does make it weird, though, because, like, now that this is the first Zelda with the voice acting, that it's always been, you know, Zelda's a, or Link is a silent protagonist mm-hmm. oh man i just realized there's probably times i've said zelda when i meant link in this podcast well you guys get to call me out on that um <laughs> <laughs> i still do that all the time i'll be like yeah so when zelda and my girlfriend's like you mean link i'm like oh yeah um the fact that he's always been silent now that there's characters that actually have fully acted voice lines it actually makes his silent protagonist seem weirder because he definitely talks to people like mm-hmm. he'll motion to people People will talk about how he has like there's a there's a memory where uh, Zelda specifically they're, they're like talking about riding horses and Zelda specifically says a thing like she quotes him she's like ah oh, like this about calming your horse and this and that ah uh, like that was the advi- that advice you gave me is working great and I'm like she like quoted Link but Link doesn't talk <laughs> ever mm-hmm. uh, and it just it, it there's a weird disconnect it causes I almost would rather them not voice anyone or voice Link but then I would be terrified because no one's gonna be I don't think. I, it would be so hard for them to get his voice to a place that I think people wouldn't be... Everyone, no one would be happy, I think. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel in general. It's like, I like I feel like they're... Like, like Mifa and Zelda's voices would be better if they directed them to be a little bit less breathy. Yes, yeah. Um, but it's like, and that's where I'm like... I've always said I'm like I don't think Zelda games need voice acting because I think the second that we get into that we get into that territory that everybody's gonna be mad like mm-hmm. because it's like oh well that's not what I it's because everybody's gonna everybody has in their head what they think they sound like yeah and when they actually put a voice they're like oh well that isn't what I thought they would sound like at all so it's like I'd almost rather the game still continue to not be voiced and they just do like the ooh and like those make all those little noises <laughs> and just yeah. do and just do that. Like, cause that's fine with me. Like, if yep. they just do that, like, I don't need. I feel like that that consumers put these unnecessary, like, a game has to have this and a game has to have that, and it has to be, you know, like, I, I'm like, I don't have to. I don't think that Zelda, like, if there was, if there wasn't any voice acting in Breath of the Wild, I don't think it would take away from anything that I've experienced. In no. The game. And I don't think the addition of voice acting, voice acting has benefited. takes away. Yeah. I don't think it's benefited, but I don't think it's, I don't think it takes away either. It, no. To me, it's like kind of just a like zero sum. Um, yeah. And yeah. and I don't I don't necessarily think that the voice acting problems are bad voice actors and actresses. It to me it sounds like bad direction. Direction. Yeah, I think it's voice. Or, yeah, I think it's just bad direction. That's and that's what it sounds it. like to me. A hundred percent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because there are some people that do. Uh, the Gerudo girl, um, uh, Urbosa, she sounds great. Mm-hmm. But it, also, it's like it's a character who is kind of allowed to be not so princess like and mm-hmm. a little bit more sassy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the voice actress probably had you know that to me that's a little bit of an easier thing to do than if you're given direction to be like super, super prim, like aristocratic princess without feeling detached. Uh, Because that sort of voice, if not directed well, is going to sound detached immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, It is very good. Mm -hmm. It's very good. And Sedone's a very good shark boy. He's such a good shark boy. Nintendo's just like trying so hard to make me a furry. And I guess... I guess, like, it, I am now? I don't you know. About, you about to yip it up? Oh, and, like, the bird people? like Yes, the, uh, the Ritos? The, 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 fuck, the fucky toucan? <laughs> I, re- I realized that I said the Ritos, and it sounded like I said Doritos. Um, I do love a Dorito. Doritos, though. They have Dorito bodies. They're, like, very, very broad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, have you run into Cass? He's the one I have. Who, He's so cute. He play, he's playing the accordion. Ah. You'll run into, it, when you play, you'll run into him on occasion just out in the world, and he's like, he's also like horny. Like every every big character in this game is like, why Nintendo did you make this character, this animal, so beautiful? I'm garbage because I think the I think the Gorons are kind of fucky too. Really? I'm like yes, Rock Daddy. <laughs> I I haven't met a fuck I haven't met a Goron yet that I have deemed fucky, but I haven't gone to their city yeah, yet. Yeah. Because uh, most of the time I'm like they have really the Gorons have really like doofy cartoony faces in this they, one. They 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 do. They, Which they I still like. Do. Yeah, I love them. But maybe you like doofy cartoony faces. I, maybe, maybe I do. Maybe, maybe that's I, it. Maybe that's just what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, like Breath of the Wild is fantastic. Everybody should play it. Um, if you don't have a Nintendo Switch but you have a Wii U, get it. It plays get, fine for whatever. It plays fine. Get it. Um, I will say, though, that I've been in my house and and I'm like playing Zelda and I'm like, oh, I need to go do something. And I just take it out of the dock and I just take it with me. Like, mm-hmm. it's so I, I did, I, before we recorded the podcast today, I had to do laundry and, us, and, the, and the laundromat is just across the street from my apartment. And usually I'll go uh, load my clothes in and then come back to the apartment and, like, dick around the house for a little bit. But I'm like, no, I'll just stay over there. And I just took my Switch with me and played Breath of the Wild while I was in the laundromat and, you know, you know, did some stuff in Zelda. And it was great. Like, it's, it's really, really cool. And it's great to see that the proof of concept. Because, you, I mean, we all know that, like, remember, do you remember that Life with PlayStation mm-hmm. promotion video with the Vita and the PS4? Yep. And how, like, that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're out rock climbing with your friends? Why don't you play your PS Vita while you do that? And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool, yeah, why not? Yeah, but, like, you, but like, it's it's super easy to just, like, take the Switch out of the dock, and then all it does is ask you, it's like, hey, what controller are you using? Press the triggers, and then you're good to go. Yeah, and like, then- I, I had mine shipped to Seattle, and so I played it on the train, uh, not the train, the plane back. Um, and what was great is that, like, I could play it in the normal handheld position, um, but after a while, like, my arms got tired, slash, like, they'll fall asleep if I have them folded like that in the normal game playing position. Yeah, me too. So I put the kickstand up and put it on my, like, my tray, and I took the Joy-Cons off, and it was so comfortable to just have my arms however I wanted them to be while I played. Um, At a point, actually, I put the Switch uh, flat on the tray, 
and I put my elbows on the tray on the sides of it, and I basically was holding my my Joy Cons um, up like near my forehead, like right mm-hmm. in front of my face, more or less. Yeah, um, and it was so incredibly comfortable to just kind of like be leaning forward and have my arms naturally up in the air like they would be with my elbows down mm-hmm. and still be able to play and control everything. Yeah. Um, it was great. Um, and yeah, even in the house, like if, if my girlfriend's doing something in the bedroom, I can undock it, take it downstairs. If we set up a dock, I can play it on the TV down there mm-hmm. or just play it on the couch. Um, and if something's happening down there, I can just undock it and be up here. Um, I will suggest Delta, uh, Delta, Delta, what? Delta, Delta, Delta. <laughs> oh, my favorite game, Delta. Uh, it's like I, I mixed the words dildo and Zelda together. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's gonna be, like, be a fucking wow. like, bad, bad dragon product. Wow, uh, wow, wow! Welcome to the bad dragon. Get your deltas. Uh, I was playing some Delta. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck. I completely. What was I? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, Zelda's a very like graphically dense game. There's a lot on the screen at once. Sometimes I do find, not so much that I can't enjoy the game, but sometimes I do find the, the smaller screen of the Switch to feel overcrowded because of how, uh, how much visual information is happening. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can see that. I can see so that. I prefer to play it on the TV. Um, also, uh, the game control is just fine. The Pro Controller is such a better experience, though. It is um, a per- that controller is perfect. It's not worth the... How expensive, expensive it is. Expensive it is, yeah. But it's a but damn good controller. <laughs> if you're going to play anything seriously on your Switch, if you're going to play like any first-person shooters that might come out, or Splatoon, or even Zelda, um, you know, it has much... The analog sticks are much higher on it than the Switch's mm-hmm. sticks are, so mm-hmm. it's much easier to do fine-tuning when you aim. Mm-hmm. And man, it is just... It, it's, it's worth it if you have the money to blow and mm-hmm. you're going to play a bunch of games on your TV with your mm-hmm. Switch... Um, and they're games that require like precision. Um, yeah, it's just more comfortable. That said, I don't mind playing it on my Switch one bit. Yeah, I actually because um, like I I randomly I got lucky. I went to Target, and the Target that was by my apartment had two Pro controllers, so I grabbed one. Um, I actually really like the Joy-Con grip. Mm-hmm. Like it's really comfortable. I think that it's, it's like I wasn't. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about playing it with using the Joy-Con grip, but I actually really like it. Um, so, so you get a Joy-Con grip in the box with it. However, the Joy-Con grip that comes in the box with the system is not a charging grip. So that's whatever. But I think it's kind of like a non-issue for the most part because when the system is docked, I have the Joy-Con in the dock with the system. Mm-hmm. And the system charges the Joy-Con so... It's you're never you're never not you're never not going to be in a position to where you're gonna ha- you're gonna be like with a Joy-Con that are with their batteries dying. You're like like that, it's like a it's a weird like it's like a middle ground issue. But like you're never gonna really. I don't find myself having a scenario where I'm I'm just not gonna have two charged up Joy-Cons at any given point in time. And let so, me like clarify too, because there's a lot of confusion about this because Nintendo was kind of bad about um, yeah being. Uh, being clear about it. Um, so the one that comes in the box is just a grip. I yes. actually haven't used my grip at all because I just went out and bought a Pro Controller immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I would hate it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the charge grip, which I think is like 30 bucks maybe, or maybe a little bit more. Yeah. The charge grip doesn't charge your 
Joy-Cons wirelessly. It doesn't have a battery in it that charges them when you're connected. It still has to be wired. Uh, yeah. The difference is that the grip in the box, just you put your Joy-Cons in it and you play it wirelessly, but your Joy-Cons are draining. Um, the charge grip has a USB-C connector on it mm-hmm. that you will connect to the USB on your Switch dock, or frankly, just any USB-A, I think, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. And that way you can charge while you play if they are dead yes uh so that is the thing that sucks is that if you only have the joy cons and the grip at some point if you are using the joy cons not on the switch say you're using them while you play on the tv if they are dead you can't play again until they are charged Mm mm-hmm um, and that does suck. I do think they should have packed in the charge grip as, as opposed too. to a normal grip. Um, I do too. Especially for how expensive that stuff is. I do too. So that's your caveat. Like, whatever, when you buy your Switch, if you don't have one yet, just keep that shit in mind. Because it's, yeah. it's part of what's going to add up money-wise for you. For the money that you're going to have to spend on a charge grip to not have that happen... You might as well get a Pro Controller. Yeah, I would just spend the extra money. It's a lot of extra money, comparatively. But I would just get the Pro Controller. Because it it's just worth have it. its own thing. And it's worth it. It's really comfortable. It's probably... I would say it's maybe slight, it's slightly more comfortable than the DualShock 4. Yeah, I, don't I agree. I don't think it's more comfortable than the Xbox One controller, which I yeah. think is the most comfortable controller, period, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is more comfortable than a DualShock 4, mainly because yeah. it has asymmetrical um, analog sticks, which I still don't know why Sony hasn't done that. And the grips are really thick, mm-hmm. so they feel really good. Um, yeah. Uh, I just like realized the sentence of, of they're really thick and it feels really good. Uh, I yeah. mean that's that's all that I you know y'all gripping on some thick I ain't bad. Yeah, I know that's all that I ever want in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, one more note before we wrap up. Um, so the amiibos yeah. are so worth it to use in Breath of the Wild. So if you have any of the Zelda amiibos like from the, from Smash Brothers or the 20th anniversary um, Zelda Amiibos or the Breath of the Wild Amiibos, um, you get good shit when you use them. Yeah. Like you get you get a lot of material, a lot of like um, ingredients and materials for making food. And all, any of the Zelda ones, you'll get a treasure chest and you have the opportunity to get some really cool rare, um, uh, rare items. Yeah, from, and some from, of those from, only come from the Amiibos, I think. Yeah, and some of them are from like from previous Zelda games. And again, like they're, they, they're, they're added. So they're, they're like extra added little DLC that you, that you get a physical, a physical toy for, and you can reuse, and you can only use them once per day. Yes. And the, and the, and the clock resets at 12 o'clock midnight on the dot. So, um, what me, my, my roommate has all of the breath of the wild ones and the 20th anniversary ones. And I have all the ones from smash brothers, so all we do is, like, at 12 o'clock midnight, we just go to each other's rooms and just, like, we undock our Switch systems and then we just scan them and get all of our goodies with them. Is that <laughs> midnight then... on your local clock on your Switch? Local clock on the system, yeah. So people people have been uh, 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 subverting that by fucking by with change. your local time clock, mm-hmm. uh, which you can do. Which you um, can do, If you yeah. want to put that much effort into getting items. Um, yeah. Also, here's a pro tip, DJ. Um, it's not just the Zelda ones that work on it. You can yeah, use, you can use all of any them. amiibo. The yeah. really special items only come from Zelda, the Zelda stuff. But if you have, uh, like we have in my house, way too many Animal Crossing. I think Aaron has every Animal Crossing amiibo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think my other roommate has almost every 
Animal Crossing Amiibo. Mm-hmm. Um, and Animal Crossing Amiibo cards. Were- oh, fuck. I have the cards. Yeah. Oh, I... Because I have every Smash Amiibo. I have all of them. Yeah. So yeah. if you have any Amiibos at all, this is the first game where like they're all now worth something. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also like a $20 season pass for this game. Which nets you a couple like exclusive things off the bat, but they're gonna have um, they're gonna add some content in the summer. Like there's gonna be a challenge dungeon, and mm-hmm. there's gonna be actual new story content later this year. Yeah, um, and I think they're also adding like a hero mode to that too in that DLC pack. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which will be worth it. So yeah, I would gladly play it again. Absolutely. Yeah, but um, I think that kind of wraps it up. We talked about our fucky fish boyfriends and. So much less than I thought we would. I feel like yeah. I feel like our, our audience isn't let down that we talked about so much serious stuff and not about fucking a shark. For, <laughs> yeah. Like, comparatively. Yeah. yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things, it's that we struck a really good balance of, you know, being responsible and talking about really responsible and important things, but then also talking about that fucky fish prince. Everyone's going to be so disappointed in us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we come here for fucky content about fish boys and you guys went on a very important long discussion about race and gender and everything else in video games how fucking dare you look there's 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 a time for talking about fucking shark boys it's called shark week (laughs) okay (laughs) there's a whole fucking week for it so we can talk about responsible stuff for a minute yeah absolutely please don't go fuck a shark Please don't don't do that, y'all. <laughs> yeah. don't go An- fuck a shark. Animals can't consent to you. Just please don't yeah. go fuck a shark. Don't don't do it. Just draw lewd fan art about a shark boy and then fucking that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Just be careful, y'all. Don't don't do anything I wouldn't yeah. do. Also, fucking a shark is very sounds very dangerous. Yeah, it really it really really does. So don't don't go out and do that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that just about does it. So, uh, Ruben, where can they find you? Uh, you can find all of my uh, retweets of Fucky Shark fan art uh, at Rubots, R-O-O-B-O-T-S, um, on Twitter.com. Uh, I actually retweeted uh, a really, if you if you catch me soon, and this episode is going to go up tomorrow, so maybe you will in my feed. Mm-hmm. Um, someone edited a really hilarious Zelda video that involves parrying, a, uh, which is a mechanic of the game, parrying a laser beam. Oh my god, it's so good! <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea you could do that, and fuck me, that video is so good and it's also so very good. funny. Uh, so yeah, check that shit out. Get on there, uh, and yeah, you can find me you know, if you want to be stocky about it, which I don't mind. You can find me other ways on Facebook and whatnot. Yes, so you can find me um, retweeting all kinds of fucky fish boy stuff, and you know, and that same video that Ruben retweeted as well at oh hey DJ, which is O H H E Y D J on Twitter, and I'm pretty much that on everything. I'm that on uh, Instagram and Tumblr and all that other good stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it for us this time, you guys. Uh, thank you for, for listening and continuing to listen and hear us talk about Fucky Fish Boys and other things fucky as well. And uh, uh, we will... What? Do you have something else to say? Oh, just, just, uh, just... Because I, I, I know that we've always been um, consistently bad on this podcast about having regular intervals for episodes for you guys, and we keep talking mm-hmm. about how we're going to be better about it, and, and we're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think me and DJ talked about... Um, for now, I think we're going to try to make this a every other week thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that gives us enough time, personal lives-wise, to have time to do it. Yeah. And also, uh, industry-wise, gives us enough time to have a lot to cover um, every episode, as opposed to maybe kind of spinning our wheels a little bit, because there's not a whole lot that maybe has happened in gaming or anime or, or, or anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so look for us, uh, for now at least, every other week. Yeah. Um, and for, like, you know, up-to-date takes you can uh, very easily find me and gj having really dumb conversations about whatever's happening that day in gaming or anime news on twitter uh yeah. so if you if you really need that that dose of us immediately uh go there for that but otherwise yeah. we'll be here every other week yeah 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 that's where you can find us um you guys are amazing thanks for listening as always and we'll see you next time bye, bye. Hey listeners, just a few more things before you go. If you like what you heard, consider subscribing to the podcast. And if you want, leave us a review on iTunes. Your feedback means a lot to us. We're always interested in having new guests on our show and to talk about games, pop culture, comics, and everything else in between. So feel free to email us at thejoystickjockeys at gmail.com and you could be one of our future guests. Happy gaming and we'll see you very soon.